Shall we talk about the book? Or do you want to keep stuff in your face first? Hold on. <laughs> Let me just finish this chip. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Our next episode will be on August 15th. We will be discussing A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Tune in to hear all our thoughts. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have all sorts of cool perks available, from our mini-series and monthly episode picking poll to bookmarks and books from our TBRs. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen, Sam, Megan, and Leah. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. This was a delightful sci-fi read. I believe it came out last year. Or 2020. One of the two. It's fairly recent. Yeah, it's new. It's very recent. Um, what, what, how did you read this book, Abby? Did you uh, get it from the library as a physical copy, an e copy, or an audiobook? I did an audiobook from the library. Mm, very nice. Um, I also did an audiobook as well. I love, well, I'm surprised you got it from the library because I thought it was an Audible exclusive and you only could listen to an Audible. Oh, maybe I'll listen to it on Audible. I know I listened mm-hmm. to the audiobook, but it's been a hot minute since I listened to it. Yeah. I have to say this book is narrated by Will Wheaton and is very wonderfully done. I believe Will Wheaton has an exclusive contract with Audible to only produce books on their platform. So, unfortunately, if you would like to listen to this book, you do have to subscribe to Audible to do so. Otherwise, it's available as a hardback, paperback, or ebook as well. Um, but I recommend, if you have not read this book, you really should listen to it because the narration was phenomenal. I agree. Uh, the narration was wonderful. I didn't even realize it was Will Wheaton. Like, that just didn't even register. <laughs> 99.9% sure it was Will Wheaton. Mm. Which I highly enjoy Will Wheaton as a um it was not a voice it, actor narrator. It oh really? Who it was it? narrated by Ray Porter. I have no idea who that is. Oh, I love Ray Porter. No, um Ray Porter did Bobaverse, I think. Did he? I don't know. I he's done a lot of stuff. I've listened to his stuff a few times. Yes, we are Legion, we are Bob. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, he did yeah. Project Okay, Mary. so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Ray Porter. Well, also Will Wheaton also has a um, exclusive contract, pretty certain, because all the books written by John Scalzi are typically narrated by Will Wheaton, and I, I can only get them on Audible, which makes me kind of a sad panda, because I hate bouncing between different audiobook services, but you do what you got to do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. yeah. I know. I have like four different audiobook yeah. services that I use and it's not fun trying to remember which books I have where. No, no, it's a it's a little obnoxious. And like, you're like, uh I know I have this book. Did I borrow it from the library or was that on Audible? Or was that on Libby or I understand. 
totally understand. Well, I have some fun facts about Andy Weir I would like to drop on you today. I'd love to hear them. Um, Did you know that he was first hired as a programmer at the age of 15 at a national lab? Hmm. Very smart. So before he became a writer, he um, was a computer software engineer. And then the Mart. So, th- so Project Hail Mary is his third book. Artemis was the second. His first book, The Martian, was initially free on his website. He eventually added to Amazon for 99 cents, regained a following. And from there, that is how he gained his contract. I love hearing that authors do that. Mm-hmm. Nothing like, wrong. Like, I know it's yeah. more the exception than the rule, but I love when that happens. Yeah, I would say there is nothing wrong going the independent route and hoping, well, not hoping, if you want to get that, I don't know, that contract or whatever people call it. What do you call it? Like when you write for a company versus write independent? Uh, I mean, you have a contract with the company. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure what else you would call yeah. it. Yeah. Sponsored, maybe? No. I don't know. I'm, well, it doesn't really matter. When you have a contract with a publishing company, you work for the publishing company, basically. Okay. You're right. Okay. I'm easy. I don't know. Yeah. He he now works with um, Penguin, so which is cool. Did you know Project Hail Mary is currently being filmed with Brian Goslin playing Raylan Grace? Really? Really. According to the article I found, which was from this year, so might, you know, may, maybe it changed, maybe it didn't. Hmm. No, you, you don't. You don't think Ryan Gosling could play Raylan Grace? Eh, I'm just not a Gosling fan. How can you not be a Gosling fan? I love him. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the guy. He just has no appeal for me. <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and judge you. Don't judge me. That's rude. He's like the most awkward turtle ever. I can't wait. I know. I'm just. I don't know. Okay. Hi. He's not a bad person or a bad actor. I just don't care. Okay. Sorry. Fine. Um, and also Andy Weir is known for extensively researching his subject matter for all of his novels, especially The Martian, which has been hailed as scientifically accurate as possible by scientists in a hypothetical situation. Well, yeah. Good. So it's nice. Um just knowing that like he puts a lot of freaking effort into his stuff and he's like, I will not, I will not mm-hmm. BS this. This will be pretty awesome. Well, and you can tell, like you can tell when an author conveniently skips over parts that they don't understand. So they don't have to write about them. And that's perfectly fine. That's a legitimate way to write your stories. But with these, you can mm-hmm. definitely tell that he knows what he's talking about. Yes. And I love That's it. a really cool uh, feeling as well. Just like perfectly legitimate styles of writing your books, but they have a very different feel to them when you do that. Um, you are booping your mic a lot today. I'm sorry. This cord is not liking me. And hopefully, I'm. I'm. Hopefully, like all the editing will be fine. But you definitely have booped your mic a few times. And it's like, shit. I don't even have my mic set up. Oh, completely forgot to grab it. I just plugged in my headphones and. Uh, no wonder it's more boopy than usual. Huh. You want to go, go get that mic? Yeah, hang on. Okay. 
one minute later. Someday, someday, I will have all my brain function back. I mean, yes, eventually. It will come. It'll come someday. Oh, yeah, you sound a lot better, too. I was kind of like, wow, I'm like, you are really choppy today. I'm like, is it, is it just my brain? I'm like, wow, you're also bumping your mic a lot more than usual. Apologies to our listeners. In case the audio is really crappy in the first part. Uh, good news, we caught it real fast. That is true. We didn't record half the episode yet. No. All right. Anyway, do you have any other fun facts? I don't, but could you tell us a summary of uh, about the book i almost said about the author i'm like uh wrong thing a summary of andy weir's life um that is something i did not look up oh well shoot you know but i can't do a summary of the book so how about that okay okay ryland grace is the sole survivor on a desperate last chance mission and if he fails humanity and the earth itself will perish except that right now he doesn't know that He can't even remember his own name, let alone the nature of his assignment or how to complete it. All he knows is that he's been asleep for a very, very long time, and he's just been awakened to find himself millions of miles from home with nothing but two corpses for company. His crewmate's dead, his memories fuzzily returning, he realizes that an impossible task now confronts him. Alone on this tiny ship that's been cobbled together by every government and space agency on the planet and hurled into the depths of space, It's up to him to conquer an extinction-level threat to our species. And thanks to an unexpected ally, he just might have a chance. Unexpected ally. So let's go into characters. The book is narrated. Main character is Raylan Grace. He's a middle school teacher that's also a trained biologist. There are some minor characters that we do meet in the flashback, like um, Yao Liji. Ooh, I might have butchered that one today who is a astronaut who also trains and goes on a mission with Rylan. There is Alyssa. Ooh, I, ooh, I don't know. Ilyukina? That sounds great. Obviously, I've not <laughs> listened to the book in a little bit, so I can't remember how to pronounce some of their names. Who's the other astronaut that goes on a mission with Rylan. So they are kind of minor characters that we meet on and off um, at the training facility. There's also Eva Strott, who is a special force coordinator um, in charge of recruiting the teams to save the sun, essentially. Um, There are, I believe, three teams that they cycle through, and they mention other people. Honestly, the flashbacks were like my low light of the book, so um, these were like the only characters I thought were even remotely more interesting to mention. Uh, but the main character, this is a lot like The Martian, where The Martian is very centrally focused around the main character with some flashbacks to um, Earth. But once we get into space, it is all about grace, all about what's going on on the ship, all about what's going on in space. With him, um, he woke up with amnesia, so he's like, I can't remember anything. So we get these random flashbacks. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's about all I got, guys. Your characters, very small cast list, like nothing... Like a lot of stuff that we usually read, I would say. Yeah, there's really, it's such a tiny list of characters. Like the minor characters that Mo mentioned, I couldn't even remember any of their names. Like that's how minor they were. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely. Don't worry about it, guys. If you don't remember them, if you read the book, because I hate saying that they don't matter, but they don't but they kind of don't matter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, 
there's Ray or Rylan Grace. I, his name sometimes like I confuse how to say it, but he's just a regular old good guy going on a space trip. Mm-hmm. I will say, um, reading this book, this is my first Andy Weir book, um, and I know you've read his others too. And you said Artemis was not as good. <laughs> yeah, but it reading this one made me want to read The Martian. Oh yeah, I I would highly recommend like heart hands down. Loved it, read it as an ebook, actually own it as an audiobook as well. It is really well awesome done. Yes. <laughs> Words. Words. Yeah, like I I love the humor and I love the way that Ryland narrated this book. And so if The Martian is anything like it, I really think I will enjoy it. Oh, yeah. It's very much like it. Like, not in a, oh, my God, he copied himself kind of way, but in a, this is really great, and I love it kind of way. Well, and it's one of those, like, the sense of humor is technically coming from the character, but since the author wrote it, it's the author's sense of humor, and I liked that, so I appreciate that. I would like to see more of it. So, yes. All right, guys. Well, this is a short and sweet first half because um, thanks to the unexpected ally who we can't talk about yet. Yep. That's it, guys. So we're just going to cut into the second half and uh, actually talk about this book and all the things that we love about it. Okay, talk to you in a minute. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Welcome back. And remember, if you have not read Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, you're going to want to pause right now Go read it. Please, please, please go read it. We promise you will enjoy it, especially if you do the audiobook. The audiobook is fantastic and we love it. So, spoilers ahead, and it's not our fault. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, favorite characters, Abby? Uh, Rocky and Ryland. Really? Uh, who is Rocky, by, by the way? Rocky is a spider-looking alien. Oh, he's gigantic. Actually, not gigantic. Compared to a spider, yes. Oh, well, yes. Compared to a spider, yes. <laughs> I mean, I say spider, people think of like a little spider, maybe a tarantula at most, but I'm talking like human-sized spider. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, he's actually described as the size of a Labrador. Oh, okay. Size of a Labrador. Yes. So that works too. I think of him like so smaller than my Newfoundland, but probably about the size of Captain, your puppy. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. Oh, with like what? Um, with legs, with little spider legs. Yeah. Maybe sorry. Yeah. Yes. But they're very dexterous mm-hmm. and they also use sound to communicate, but it's obviously a completely different set of sounds than us. So I just I, I really like Rocky. I appreciate how this sounds stupid. I appreciate how humanized he ended up being 
because obviously he's an alien, so he's not human, but like he still feels all the same emotions. He's still just as curious as Ryland is. And like the friendship that develops between the two is just completely adorable. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Rocky. Why do you like Grace? I really liked his sense of humor. I appreciated the workarounds that he used to learn Rocky's language. Mm-hmm. Because Rocky, even though he uses sound, uh, wasn't capable of speaking the way we do. And so Ryland ended up learning his language and just talking to him in his language. And I thought that was pretty cool. Just shows Ryland's really smart. Yes. I appreciated the genius of both of them because they both came up with a lot of workarounds for stuff. Well, you think about it too, on Rocky's home planet, he was an engineer. Like he built shit and he was really good at taking like Ryland's crazy ideas. He's like, you can make that. Hold on. And then he would disappear and go make it. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this whole book, without their relationship would not exist Mm -mm. what about you why do you love them which one both both um one i love okay i love the imagination that andy Weir brings to rocky and how he describes rocky as you know like he goes through the evolutionary steps of how they developed on a world without light Um, So they didn't need to develop eyes. So like they visually, they technically can't see. So they use like echo radar, like bats do to see things and they communicate using sound. And I don't remember, like they don't really have mouths. If I remember Um, the way they eat was wild, like Mm -hmm. how they basically open their um, body. Yeah. (laughs) That description was so gross. And I thought it was (laughs) But that was so funny. Like, it's like, gosh, like they don't, they don't have taste buds or anything. Like they're developed for, and they're really heavy. So like he is the size of, imagine your dog, a Labrador, but 200 pounds and kind of low to the ground, you know, like a short squat Corgi Labrador kind of thing is how I imagine him. Mm-hmm. Even though he can go up and down with his legs and then having those five arms with the three little fingers on it and how they're not, legs and arms like they're all he can use them for anything you know mm-hmm. i'm like well that's awesome just love how unique it is i love how creative um andy Weir made him i mean i love that I, I hate that rocky was there in space for so long so it said in the book that he was born around the time of george washington so they have a very long lifespan mm-hmm. and you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, wow, like, and then all of the people in his um, spacecraft died because from radiation sickness, because they have never, they didn't know about radiation at all. Mm-hmm. So like, in some ways they're very advanced in some ways they're behind in science, but they weren't equipped to deal with it. So everyone but him died from radiation sickness and he only survived because he was down in the engineering room manning the engines, which the astro flange that they were using to also propel the engines like um, Grace was with his ship kept him from getting radiation sickness. Mm -hmm. Like, 
well, shoot, you know, he had been there alone by himself trying to figure out how, how am I going to save my planet? Cause they're going through the same exact thing. Earth is going to with the astral flange wiping away the sun and making it colder, essentially taking away the heat from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I like that they're more advanced than us in certain areas scientifically and others are just like complete blind spots, mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. makes total sense considering like they never developed eyes and things like that. But I mean, it definitely makes for an interesting dynamic because like as soon as Ryland sees Rocky, he screams because, you know, it looks like a giant spider, basically. I'd scream too. That's exactly what you're expecting, right? Right. Like, well, and you know, feels bad afterwards because it's not Rocky's fault that he looks like a giant spider, but spiders. (laughs) Agreed. And yeah, like, I liked that it wasn't, it didn't have eight legs like a spider and, you know, things like that. It wasn't like an exact copy. Yes. Which I appreciate. Yes. And the fact that everything about Rocky's homeworld and the way his body evolved was so well thought out. It mm-hmm. just, yeah, it worked so well. I like whenever Rocky gets excited, he goes, good, good, good. You know, like things in threes or uh, he was mad at Rylan for something. He's like, bad, 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 you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love the way they talk and they, um, in the audio version, they also use music. So when Grace and Rylan first meet, they can't communicate and Rocky is using the music and they have like the sounds in the audiobooks. I love how that was produced. That was such a good touch. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder what the physical book is like. Oh, um, like, have you seen online like any pages from it? Because they put like, oh, yeah. no, I haven't. Yeah. So th- that's how they um, translated. They put symbols on the page. Oh, it's musical notes. They actually wrote musical notes. I thought, okay, I must be thinking of a different. Um, oh, they actually put musical notes. That's cool. Thing, but yeah. Okay, well, I love that. <laughs> that makes me want to get a copy of this right. book just to have it. I love music. Okay, that adds a whole new layer to this. <laughs> this book is so, I I mean, I like, this is my favorite Andy Weir book. Like, I love The Martian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artemis was interesting. Eh, you don't need to read it. It's fine. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, wow. He really did his research then. Because mm-hmm. he would have had to come up with an entire language to work alongside all those music notes, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Color me impressed. Yeah. All right. So, least favorite characters. How. There, there are none. How, how can you have any least favorite <laughs> characters in this book when there's literally two characters? I mean, there's people in the flashbacks I could give <laughs> like two hoots about, but. But the fact that you can't even remember their names because they're so minor, it's like, why even bother listing them as a least favorite character? <laughs> right. I mean, the majority of the book is focused on um, Rylan. And then we get Rocky in the, la- in the like the second half. Well, about like the second, like, two-thirds really and yeah. then who cares about anyone else right exactly so yeah least favorite characters is not a thing for this time around not really not for me at all 
All right, so let's just skip ahead to favorite scenes then. Okay. So I pretty much like everything that involves the spaceship. Uh, some of my favorite scenes, the initial meeting for sure. So the way that is described is that Ryland docks the ship and they, he opens the, not a portal. That's not the right term for this. Um, hatch? Yeah, opens the hatch, goes into the tunnel and Rocky has constructed this hexagon, like honeycomb shaped thing of all these different elements, right? Mm-hmm. And essentially, I think Rocky's trying to figure out like, what am I dealing with? I don't know. But, you know, he doesn't know if the air is compatible on either side, which it's not. Um, Ryland cannot go on um, Rocky's ship at all because of the crazy whatever their um air mix is because when rocky comes onto grace's ship he's in a little little really ball like a little hamster ball of a little yeah anyway and mm-hmm. then he constructs all these little tunnels so he can <laughs> skitter around the whole thing but so we have that and so like he's in there trying to figure out you know what's over there he finds the clear glass one where you can see through and it's just pitch black until suddenly poof a little friend pops into it and he's like oh my god what is that you know ah yes scream uh, so that was hilarious <laughs> definitely that first initial thing was like oh, 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 oh i like that mm-hmm, yes i love when we are in celebration mode and rocky goes to get his celebration clothes which like he has like all these trinkets and like normally he doesn't wear anything but his tools but like he has like this whole outfit with like all these like trinkets and things that he comes with and like a sweater and mm-hmm. Grace is like, okay, yep. Awesome. That's what we're going to do. And they drank <laughs> um, the Russian astronauts vodka. Well, he drinks. Them, yeah. but. <laughs> and then like, there's just like so many good things when Rocky is like, we are friends question, you know, cause um, he doesn't have intonation. So he says question or exclamation point period, or if he's excited, he, three words repeated kind of a thing mm-hmm. and you know they had to go through that moment of yeah yeah we are friends you're right and then like grace has to save him and then rocky saves him and then rocky's pissed off because grace about near kills him trying to fix him and he's like you dumb why did you do that and he's like oh, oh, oh. like you would have known any better rocky mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I mean, like, there's definitely a harrowing escape that was very intense when Grace is on the outside of the shuttle and they're trying to redirect the astroflange to the planet and be like, come over here, guys, leave the sun alone, just get over here and just be good, little astroflange, so that the predator can come eat it and get rid of it. All that just kind of was Mm -hmm. a shit show and you're like, you better freaking survive and be pissed. And then, you know, as they're drifting away and, he, and Grace is going back to Earth, like, you know, he's watching the blip A, which is what he calls Rocky's ship, as it goes further and further away. And then he figures out, oh, no, well, the astral flange is leaking or something or something bad. Mm-hmm. And then he has to rush back and go, you know, get Rocky and everything. And then he doesn't have enough fuel and Rocky's like, come home with me. And he's like, okay, I'm coming home with you, I guess. <laughs> And then in the um, epilogue, you just see, um, I don't know how many years it was later, but 
he's teaching again and he's teaching the um arid children and they built him basically his own like little happy habitat on his, on the very dark planet and he's like the cultural mm-hmm. like I, I don't know uh ambassador and you just love it and you're just like i love you mm-hmm. yeah yeah that scene where they first meet where um rocky left out all the different elements for ryland i was just thinking to myself man i i never would have figured out how to make contact with an alien race i would have been like cool our ships are connected now what <laughs> right like it wouldn't have occurred to me to put up different elements or anything like that. So it just like immediately shows how smart Rocky is to be like, let's look at all these elements. Do you like any of them? <laughs> Are we drawn to any of them? Do any of these do any of these shiny pebbles make you happy? Are we penguins actually in space? I give you a pebble, we become friends. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I, I love how it just immediately shows how smart Rocky is from the very beginning. And just all the different things that they go through together are so intense, especially towards the end when they're like, they're going their separate ways to save their separate planets. And that's really heart-wrenching. And then Ryland realizes that it's leaking and Rocky's in trouble. So he has to make this big decision about, do I go back to my planet or do I go back to help Rocky? Cause I can't do both. And he goes and helps Rocky. And oh man, that was ah. such an intense few chapters. There it was like, Oh my God. I'm like, we are having feelings and I don't know. There's a lot of feelings and a lot of things going on. Right. Uh, and yeah, I, I loved that epilogue where he had his own little habitat and was teaching. It was just adorable. I mean, well, and like, you know, he realizes while he's on um, that flight that his passion is teaching, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and I love that the book was left hanging. Like he wasn't super old at that point, but it was one of those, mm-hmm. they had the technology and the fuel and whatever to send him back to earth if that's what he really wanted and he's like maybe someday but not yet yeah just like he's like eh. and i thought that was pretty cool definitely felt yeah i definitely felt like they left it open too for a um a, like usually andy weir's not really big about writing like um like a part two like thing like a series he's more of a standalone writer mm-hmm. but i'm like you, you left this open you know what I mean? I didn't really need it closed. I don't want it closed. I want it left how it is. Okay. Like I can I can totally see that there's opening left for another book with Rylan and Rocky, but I really just want it left alone. <laughs> I okay. I mean yes. uh, yeah. Sometimes an am, an ambiguous ending is the best for the story that you were telling. Mm-hmm. So um, I also, I actually liked the flashback scenes just because I wanted to know what exactly Earth was facing that sent Ryland out there and like why he'd even ended up on the spaceship in the first place because it's set up when you're seeing the flashbacks and you're going, he was just a consultant. What the hell is he doing on a spaceship? Right. (laughs) You know? Not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. But I will say... um, I found it 
very, very unlikely. And this is me because I have no faith in humanity, apparently. I found it very unrealistic that all of Earth would go, oh, we only have X number of years before we all die. Let's get together and do something about it. I just, I just don't have that much faith in humanity. (laughs) So that was like the only unrealistic thing in this entire book for me. Like alien, sure. Spaceships, sure. Dying sun, sure. Humanity getting and working together for it. Mm. Maybe not so much, right? Yeah. All right. Did you have any least favorite scenes? didn't care about the flashbacks at all like they just didn't i don't know like i don't know i didn't care about it um i felt like rylan was well one he was drugged and shoved onto a spaceship because he didn't want to do this so i was offended for him in that aspect that he was forced into this even though like yes he was the right choice to do it but then he was by himself because everyone else was freaking dead you know, I felt bad that the other teams had died. And then he's like, mm-hmm. you want me to do what? He's like, well, you know, we've kind of been grooming you just in case we had to do this. He's like, what? Seriously? Mm-hmm. And then she just kicks him on, you know, Eve or Strahd just like, boop, get on the ship. And he's like, oh. Yeah, it really it made me so angry. I was so pissed to find out that he wasn't even a volunteer. Like, y'all drugged him and shoved him on a spaceship and you... Y- think that's the best course of action really because mm-hmm. uh, do you understand how badly that could have gone for you apparently not so i'm just saying because like it was entirely possible like there was a 50 50 shot here that he woke up and was like okay i remember things i guess i'll go ahead and save earth and the other 50 percent was him waking up going, I remember being drugged and shoved onto the spaceship. F you all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if he would have done that though, because I feel like he, he was portrayed as a very, yes, he was selfish, but you know, like there's a point where he's thinking about the kids and he's like, you know, he's, I feel like that's like, he has a, altruistic heart where he's like you know what these kids are our future i want them to survive screw everybody else but at least we'll make the kids okay and i get that i'm just saying uh strat took a a real chance doing that yeah oh yeah yep because even if the other two crew members had survived he could have very well just refused to do anything and sat on his hands like Mm -hmm. i'm just saying like, especially if the other two crew members had survived. If he just decided to sit on his mm-hmm. hands and refused to do anything, what were they going to do about it? Like, seriously, what were they going to do about it? I, I, don't, I don't remember what their roles even were. I don't know if he... Well, I guess he was the only microbiologist. So I, I don't know if he was, like, needed, needed, or if they could have figured out, like, something to do. I don't know. No, I think they actually needed him. Um. I know one of them was the captain, but I don't remember what their roles mm-hmm. were either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't like to forcibly make people do things. And I think Strat just got really lucky that Rylan decided, you know, something I'm going to save the world for the kids rather than saying F everybody who made me come here. Like, right. We're so freaking lucky. So lucky. 
So, yeah. Yeah, that's about it for my least favorite scenes. Overall, I absolutely adored this book. This might have... Did I read it this year? I must have read last year. I think you read it this year, didn't you? I don't think I did. No. You sure? Did you read this I year? I read it this year. I don't think I read it this year. Or maybe I did. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Look it up on your Goodreads. I am. I'm actually going to pull it up right now. Okay. <laughs> my Goodreads says I read it this year. So it was one of like the early books that I read this year. First published May 4, 2021. Okay. I thought I read it last fall. Let's see. Oh, nope. I read it January 15th, 2022. Okay. So this is probably one of my favorite books this year. Hmm. Like, I loved it. Right? We're in 2022, right? We are. When did you finish it? Um, January 15th. Wow. I finished it five days after you did on the 20th. Wow, I must have really hyped it up to you and said, open this book and read it. I guess so, because we were reading it at the same time. Mm -hmm. But yes, so for me, it's one of my favorite books I've read this year. Complete five out of five, amazing audiobook, especially very well produced, awesome ride. Um, Liked it better than The Martian, which I love The Martian. Liked it a hell lot better than Artemis because I'm sorry, Andy Weir's a really great writer, um, but he's a writer that, like, the main character in Artemis is a girl, and and it just did not, I it just didn't work for me. You can tell it was a guy writing a girl kind of a thing, unfortunately. Not as bad as, like, okay, tangent. So, once upon a time, there's this wonderful TikToker <laughs> named um, Atomic Apple Pie, and she likes- God, I love her. She likes to read, I don't know where she gets these romance novels from, but one of the ones that she read recently is that the man pleasured the woman so greatly and wonderfully that her eggs burst open out of their shells. Yeah, the eggs cracked. The eggs cracked. I'm glad that you understand which one I'm talking about. Did I send you that one? No, Nate showed me because Nate was giggling at it. Oh my god, that was horrendous. That, that the eggs in her ovaries cracked. Like yes. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I think I made it much more poetic and flowery than you just did. But I was definitely like, um, <laughs> excuse me? What? What? What what did we do? Uh-huh. So yeah. Um yeah, Abby. So her stuff is always what I think of when I think of men writing women badly. <laughs> yeah. And no offense to Andy Weir, he is a really great writer. Love his books. Artemis just did not do it for me in that aspect. And I'm like, I wanted so badly to really like the main character. Well, and there's definitely male authors who can write women, but it's not all of them. Like um, Sabriel? Yeah, by Garth Nix. Yep. Garth Nix, yeah. Garth Nix writes women well. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that. He's good at that. Mm-hmm. But that's not every author. So, yeah, it's just, mm, yeah, I won't be picking up Artemis, but I'm definitely interested in The Martian. Uh, I also gave this five stars. This is just such an amazing ride. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect when I went into it, other than it was sci-fi and involved, you know, aliens and spaceships, because it's sci-fi. But, like, this could have been mm-hmm. such a depressing book. Because the setup is literally a guy waking up on a spaceship with two dead, you know, two corpses of 
people who were supposed to wake up with him and he's on a suicide mission. Like, tell me that's not a depressing start. Kind of it. Yeah. But well, and it, it, it turns into this like heartwarming story of friendship. And I'm like, and that is not what I was expecting. Friendship and journey and happiness and everything working together. Right. Like, the, the setup is depressing and it's actually a story about friendship and I'm just like oh okay not that I'm going to object to a nice happy story about friendship but wow right I know Jess was not quite what you're expecting yeah and I mean I'm glad that it took that heartwarming turn because if it was depressing I would not have made it through I'm just, I don't read depressing books on the regular because I don't like to be depressed because, you know, it's not fun. No. no. And I mean, I totally agree. And that's why I was like, at first I was like, this is, I'm like, is this going to be good? And I'm like, oh, nope, nope, nope. Yep. Yep. We're good. We're good. This is good. Yep. We love it. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was definitely one of my first five star reads this year. Might have been my first five star read this year. Hmm. Now I have to look. Let's see. No, it was my second, third. It was my third five-star read. <laughs> it, it was my first, a second, uh, yeah, third, actually. Well, Loam Hedge was my first five-star read because Redwall. Um, yep. Then Fortune's Pawn was my second, and so Hail Mary was my third. Nice. Such a good book. Oh, such good books. All right, guys. All right, any other thoughts? No, um, if you have not read this book, go get it. It's worth it, worth every penny. Definitely, hands down, loved it, enjoyed it. Go for it, guys. Mm-hmm. I agree. Even if you listen uh, to this entire thing and spoiled all this stuff for yourself, still, you should go oh, read well. it. It's worth it. Then you, then you better read it because he just told you how good it is, so it doesn't matter. Right. So go do it, then. All right, guys, we will talk to you next week or in two weeks or whatever we do have a great one guys talk to you in a couple weeks guys (laughs) if you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love drop us a rating or review on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media everything helps you can also check out our patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini series a monthly guaranteed episode poll and much more you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B E N O I T. That's C A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.